Welcome, it's Indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie, good to be with you. We got a lot of show today. Breaking down news of the day. My contributor, Farron Cousins, host of Ring of Fire, should be a very amazing show. Top story of the day. Yes, the man who directed the iconic movie, Black Panther, was arrested inside of a bank for robbing a bank, but he was not robbing the bank. This story has some twists and turns. We broke this yesterday when it first hit, okay? Now, we have the 911 call and we have the video of him being arrested. I'm going to give you some significant detail and context to what happened during that arrest. Let's first go to the video when Mr. Kugler was arrested by Atlanta police. Yes, sir. Amen. Let me a favor, man. Come this way. Put your hand back. Change now. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Is there any reason y'all doing this, bro? Give me one second. Good job, man. Mr. Kugler was arrested along with those with him. Let's put up a picture of Mr. Ryan Kugler, who is one of the most talented film directors and writers on the planet Earth. Net worth well into the multi-millions. He was at a bank in Atlanta to withdraw from the Bank of America $12,000. He filled out the information properly. He had his ID and he submitted a line. It was a simple quote. He wanted the transaction to be discreet. Now, I'm going to play for you the 911 call because there are some who are saying things like, well, since it's a black woman who called the police on a black man, this cannot be implicit bias. Now, that's a damn lie. And I will reveal how much of a lie that is. Yes, black people can be implicitly biased against other black people. There's tons of research, I'm gonna highlight some of that today. But it's adopted from what's called the model narrative, where all is centered around white power or white power structures. So let's play the 911 video, here it is. I didn't feel comfortable. So he told me to call police while he, I guess, stalled for What him. is on the note, ma'am? Um, it just says I want to withdraw $12,000, just be discreet. Is this an actual customer or are they trying to rob the bank? They had a debit card and he inserted it. He gave me a California ID, but I was like, okay, um, I was like, how do you, I was like, how do you want the cash back? And he's like, just look at the note. And he had no weapons, correct? Not that I know of. He just has on black sunshade and a black, uh, um, a black hat. Is he a black male, white male? He's a black male. And every time I ask him like a question, he's like, look at the note. So, oh, okay. 
But he inserted his debit card, and then I asked for his ID. He handed me his ID as a California ID. But I didn't look at his name because I'm just, like, so sugar. Like, I don't know what he's trying to do. So I just told him, give me one moment. You know, I have to get my managers. Okay, so none of his information was even verified. Okay. He might just want to be discreet, but I have police around. Yeah, I mean, he might. He might just want to be discreet, but police ain't route. She says, yeah, he might. She's not even sure it's a damn bank robbery. The operator has picked up on the fact this is not a bank robbery. But per protocol, we still have to send the police out. The operator offered a conclusion when they are not supposed to. That operator stepped outside of the boundaries of her job to say the obvious. Maybe he just wanted to be discreet. A few failures here. Number one, Bank of America obviously has a failure of training that comes down from corporate. That's a structural issue. Number two, I believe implicit bias is at work here. I do not believe, even though this has been identified as a black woman, I do not believe that if a white male would have walked in and did the exact same thing, that outcome would have been the exact same. There's another element. Management protocol, did she actually go get the manager? Did the manager say yes, call the police, this looks like a bank robbery. Is there a protocol that is supposed to be followed that she did not? What is the protocol and how did it fail? Not only Mr. Kugler, but also by extension the community he comes from. Let's put up a picture of the Bank of America president. His name is Brian, all right, Brian has apologized to Mr. Kugler. Ryan Coogler, who was worth an estimated 25 million after the seminal Black Panther movie to record setting box office history, presented the required identification. The teller asked for when he went into the bank branch in Atlanta to withdraw 12,000 bucks in cash. Because of the amount of money, he wrote his request transaction on a piece of paper, a concept that is hardly foreign when making large withdrawals at banks. The note also asks the teller to be discreet, which is also not an unreasonable request considering how much cash was in question. So here's what Kugler said, he went on record, here's what he said. This situation should never have happened. However, Bank of America worked with me and addressed <coughs> it to my satisfaction and we have to move on. Kugler said in a statement, to variety. All due respect, Mr. Kugler, I'm not moving on from a damn thing, okay? I respect your personal sentiment. CNN has reached out to Kugler's representative for comment. We deeply regret that this incident occurred. It never should have happened. And we have apologized to Mr. Kugler, Bank of America said in a statement to CNN. Well, let's do a little history on Bank of America. Because Bank of America wants you to believe that implicit bias is just a very, very isolated thing. Bank of America has been fined $2.2 million for discriminating against black job candidates for over two decades. Now, let me get into the implicit bias. There's a dynamic, it is race on race implicit bias. It's real, it happens. And any black person will tell you they have experienced it too, including this black person. 
Many researchers have studied implicit bias, often implicit racial or ethnic bias. Is it possible that simply seeing a black person rather than a white person makes more people likely to interpret actions as violent or makes us more likely to behave violently ourselves? Research suggests the answer is possibly yes. For example, research shows that people judge an action as more violent when it comes or is performed by a black person than when the same action is performed by a white person. Here's a little homework. There's a study done decades ago called the Clark doll study. That study took white baby dolls and black baby dolls and put them in front of black children. When these black children had a question posed to them, which of these dolls is bad? Which of them looks ugly? Statistically high, the response was the black child was ugly. The black child was bad. Those black children who understood racism not at all were implicitly biased against those that looked like them. What did they learn it from? What's the question? The parents said, we have never taught our children to hate black people. What did they learn it? It's a societal structure. They pick up on everything. Children are not always listening, but they are always learning. Decades later, we do the same research study in a post-racial America. Guess what? Results were virtually exactly the same. The parents who saw this started crying because they did not teach their children to be racist against black folk. Implicitly bias is the correct terminology, but it's real. There's more. Implicit bias occurs when someone is consciously aware of stereotypes and rejects them and supports anti-discrimination efforts, but also holds negative associations in his or her mind unconsciously. Scientists have learned that we only have conscious access to 5% of our brains. Much of the work our brain does occurs on the unconscious level. And that is why intentional training is required. Remember, structural racism is designed. In order to destroy it, it must be destroyed by intent, not by as some organic structure that may destroy it. It never will happen. It would never happen like that. It will only happen through intention. All right, my dear brother, what are your thoughts on this case? You know, you know it's interesting. Before I get into the case, you're talking about this implicit bias. And actually, last time you and I spoke, you know, many months ago, we we had discussed that as well back then, talking about the fact that a lot of these people hold these feelings and they don't even realize that they hold them. So I, I just wanted to point that out. That's a very interesting study that you've talked about here. And it's an interesting concept that people need to understand better to understand themselves. And of course, <clears throat> everything that's happening around them. Now, for this specific story, obviously, he did nothing right. He did everything according to protocol here. Like his debit card is in the machine so that she can see it's his account. The information pulls up on her computer on her side. When that happens, she failed to even bother to look at his name on the ID to see that it matched the account. That, as you said, that is a failure of training. 
You know, that is something she should have immediately done. And then multiple parts of the video, obviously super concerning. Like when the officer just decides, I'm gonna pull my gun. Oh, okay, I guess I don't need to do that now. And he puts right. it back away. But that was his initial instinct. Black man in a bank, all right, let's get the gun out. Unprovoked. And then the security guard, I think she was, say, good job, guys, as they're walking out. And Kugler himself just looking so defeated. That is one of the things that really struck me the most because this is happening to him and the expression on his face, his body language is telling you that he's just, well, this is what it's like. It was such a defeated look on him. And that is really to me one of the saddest things about that that people haven't addressed really is look at him in that footage. Look at just almost broken because of what was happening and also not surprised that it was happening. Yeah, And that's what people don't understand that this isn't a one off thing. This happens frequently in the United States across the country every day. Yep, and you know he didn't want this to come out because this happened weeks ago. We just got the video footage this week because somebody tipped off the right person in local news and they requested that tape specifically. And so we got the information. There's a cop, he's on trial right now for sexually assaulting women being a predator to even a 14 year old child. Let's put up his picture. Jury deliberations are resuming in the trial of former East Point, Georgia police officer who has been accused of using his power to sexually assault three women and two teenage girls over a seven year period. His name is Richard Godin. Richard Godin is 41, faces nearly 20 charges, including child molestation, Aggravated assault, aggravated sexual battery, sexual assault by a law enforcement officer and violating his oath of office. He's accused of molesting two girls younger than 16 and inappropriately touching three other women during the arrest. Now, put up his picture again. I checked his record. This guy has a long history of complaints that IA internal affairs actually dismissed. You know, if we had a law, I don't know, maybe the George Floyd Policing and Accountability Act, which codified in that federal statute would say every one of those complaints would have been reported to a nationwide database so we can look at it. We can have access to it. We would have been aware of his background. Cops are aware of yours. Why can't we be aware of theirs? He was cleared of all of these misconduct charges against them. People told on him for years. The earliest allegations stem from 2011 and involved a 14 year old child who according to Godin was mentoring. According to testimony by the victim and her father, the final allegation was lodged on August 2018 when a 15 year old accused the officer of sexually assaulting her in an East Point neighborhood after separating her from her friends during a night out, put up his mug shot. None of these children knew each other. They did not coordinate their stories. None of the women knew each other. They did not coordinate their stories. 
Surveillance footage from the Wellstar Atlanta Medical Center South showed Goudin arriving at the hospital around 4 a.m. as the teen underwent a forensic exam. He was told to leave the hospital seven minutes later after security informed him that he was being accused of assaulting the girl, according to evidence presented at trial. An internal investigation into the case led Goudin being fired from the department and later charged. His former supervisors testified three formal complaints were lodged against Goudin over the years, but he was cleared during each internal affairs investigation. Here's what the former chief said. When you keep getting the same kind of allegations, even if you don't have the facts, you still get this person out of the department. I've been in law enforcement for 33 years. Not one time did I have a complaint that I have bundled someone inappropriately. In Wednesday's closing arguments, Deputy DA Yolanda Mack argued that one of the victims, none of the victims knew each other. Yet all five women shared similar stories of being violated by the same officer. Now we have covered so many of these damn stories on Indisputable. Cop after cop being a predator, being a predator to those who are vulnerable, to those who are young. As I said before, you have to ask the question, is the culture of policing shaping this or is it attracting it? It's one or the other, because this is happening too damn much. And yes, that former chief is correct. All of these allegations, even though they all got dismissed, it's the same allegation over and over again. And he was still allowed to permeate that chaos inside of that local department. Systemic, not isolated, a culture issue, because policy is right. Policy says that's a no-no, but the culture says, we can look the other way. Fair thoughts on this. I, I think a lot of it does have to do with this is the kind of position, the kind of job that attracts these kinds of individuals. And of course, once you end up with a department filled with people like this, it does change the culture. So, you know, kind of a chicken and egg kind of thing. But but I think it's because it attracts these people who want the power to be able to exert that power, that authority to whatever devious means they have in mind. You know, seven years these kinds of things were going on. And every time the cops themselves, Internal Affairs looks at it and say, no, no, we're good. And, you know, the, the original one where you had these two young girls who said, yes, he did this to us, they, they came back and they said, well, your stories aren't exactly, you know, the same. There's a couple discrepancies here. So we're going to just let it. Go, and that goes back to the big thing: cops can't investigate cops. They can't. We we have seen it far too many times. They will let their own off the hook more often than not. It's their friends, it's their buddies. These are the guys we hang out with on the weekend. We go to barbecues. We we were just out on the boat last Saturday. You're not gonna you're not gonna put your good buddy behind bars with all these other people we've arrested, and that's the the, the problem. You know they have their own biases with one another, we're gonna protect our own. It's the brotherhood of being a cop. And you have to get outside of that if you want to have real accountability for these individuals. And so far, we don't have that. And as long as we don't have it, we continue to see more and more of these stories emerge. You make great points and I will say this, 
the only department in any city or county government that's allowed to investigate themselves for criminal activity is the police. Watershed management, they can't do it. The city fire department, they can't do it. City sanitation, they can't investigate themselves. The police are the only agency allowed to investigate themselves when there is criminal misconduct alleged. It's insanity. Another cop falsifying documents, falsifying charges, traffic stop reports. Okay, let me take you to Missouri. Missouri State Highway Trooper faces 12 misdemeanor charges for falsifying information regarding traffic stops according to court documents. Now they undercharged this guy. They did not charge him with what they should have, showing the protection of the system for the cop. All right, Sergeant Zachary Zanowski of Montgomery City faces a total of 12 counts of purposely violating provisions of chapter 590 regarding peace officers. 10 of those charges are in Montgomery County. The other two are in Cooper County. The probable cause statement from Montgomery County says Zernowski told another member of the highway patrol he had been he had been counseled by a supervisor for stopping a disproportionate amount of minorities when compared to the demographics of the area in which he worked. So that's your groundwork, right? That's your foundation. They have told him, now, now damn it, Sarge. You pulling over too many black folk for the population that you patrol. The document says this cop then falsified 10 reports between August 10th, 2021 and December 8th, 2021, December 18th, 2021. In seven of those incidents, he stopped a black male and conducted a search of their vehicle, but, but reported no search, search was conducted, he lied. In the other three incidents, he stopped a black male, but listed the driver's race as white. He lied again to cover his ass. The probable cause statement from Cooper County says on March 10th, 2021 and June 8th, 2021, this trooper stopped a black male and conducted a search, but reported he conducted no such thing. The document also says that both incidents in Cooper County occurred while the trooper was on duty and acting in an official capacity for the Missouri State Highway Patrol. Now they have scrubbed this guy's picture from everything on the internet. They have just taken it down, not connected to the department, not connected to the state troopers agency. But here's what we have, anytime they play hide the pickle, anytime they play those games, we got a game for them. Let's put up his lieutenant, direct supervisor, Mr. Lieutenant Eric Brown. He says that the trooper has been placed on administrative leave, I'm sure with pay. <coughs> also, Colonel Eric T. Olson, who oversees the entire Missouri State Highway Patrol. Those are the people in charge, the buck stops with them. Now, you gotta think about this. If he falsified documents, if he created false testimony, false affidavits, he swore to facts that were not true. That means he committed a felony. You know what that felony is? Violation of oath of office. They did not charge him with that. They decided to let it go. 
Do you see? These are the things. This was easy. And I'm sure there's more. They caught him on 12. There's some more. Fair thoughts. You know, this is just another one of those instances where you see the systemic racism. This man was very clearly targeting black men because yeah. he thought, of course, I'm going to be able to bust him on something. That's why he performed the searches of the vehicle. And of course, when he found nothing, he falsifies it and says, nope, didn't search him, just routine traffic stop, no harm, no foul for anybody. Well, no, there is. You had an idea based on how somebody looked about what you would find in the vehicle about something that may be illegal. And that is absolutely the kind of mentality that that leads to all of the other horrible stories we hear and watch now with with camera footage yep. these police doing you know <clears throat> as you said this guy's on administrative leave probably still getting paid mm-hmm. and if he hadn't already been busted for this or if he goes back to the force this may be an individual that we end up talking about again in the future on video doing something far worse because of how we know he feels about this particular group of individuals driving around his city. You know, this kind of behavior escalates. It doesn't get better on its own. He's shown us who he is. You know, these superior officers are showing us who they are at this point too. And we have to take that seriously. We have to get these kinds of police officers off our streets before there's a body count to go with their inherent racism. That's Absolutely correct, and they are such trusted entities in government. And I don't mean trust as far as trust equity, I mean trust as far as what the law will allow them to do. They carry a gun, they have the right to stop you, pull you over, okay? If someone in city government falsified official government documents, do you think they would be on paid administrative leave? All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Do not forget every day, every weekday, the watch list, the big homie, J.R. Jackson. Stories you need to know, it's a whole lot of ground, covers a lot of ground. Politics, news, culture, current events, sports, and more. That's live weekdays, all right? So go to tyt.com forward slash watch list tyt, follow, subscribe, and support. Make that happen. Okay, shop tyt released two really amazing designs to support Ukraine. We are donating 100% of the profits for these pieces to Ukraine, all right? Ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. Dumbass, scratch! Bro, you sound dumb as Karen of Buffalo, New York. The Karen of Buffalo, New York. Tell them why you recorded. Because I tried to apologize. I tried.
tried to smile. I didn't even get to hear an apology. I stepped out to look at the car and you started yelling. I stepped out the car and you started yelling. Ask your bitch. I stepped out the car. I didn't even get to say anything. the car said, do y'all speak English? Because you're not answering me. But why would you ask that? But why would you ask that? You answer that because she's tan skinned? No. No. See, now y'all throwing it out of context. It's Thursday. This is Throwback Thursday, Karen. <laughs> Where I highlight those Karens that are among my favorites. This is one of them. I got more video, by the way. So this Karen says, I tried to apologize. I tried to smile. I asked, do you speak English? No, 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 I'm no, I'm not racist. You're taking things out of context. There's more, here it is. The problem is you're yelling. If you calm down, we can talk. We can talk the talk. I'm not it's trying to. Not if you calm down. Just hop in your car, dude. You got your food. Go. No, you're so mad about they already called the cops on you for trespassing, too. So basically, so my my wife, she's she's tan. You missed. Are you okay? I tried asking her. I'm trying to talk to her. If you calm down, we could talk. I'm asking if you're okay. Her. Remember, the Karen is the one at fault here, okay? Um, and she's upset because, according to her, they're on some ha ha hee hee. There's more. He's, he's concerned. He's concerned about you. No, no, no. Hey, hey, right here. Well, first of all, first of all, oh, I'm holding your door so you don't hit it. You sound dumb! You sound dumb! Well, Parking lot, too. This pulling out his phone. You gotta, you gotta take it down and out. Yeah, that's what I've been no, asking her to do. Is this yelling at me for what? Yeah. I'm gonna tone it down. And then there's a car. That right there pulled up. You ain't gonna get no money out of me. I didn't You don't have. I don't care. I don't care about that. You scared because I'm So basically, you don't scare me. You don't my scare wife's me. in the car. And, you ain't gonna shut me the and I'm talking about, oh, car, oh, do you guys even speak car. English? And, and has been yelling ever since because my wife is tense. And, to to and uh, listening to me. Listening yeah, to it's been like this ever since. I'm just gonna run in. Are you good with your car? The car is fine. It's just he's been yelling the whole time. Fascinating. You mean to tell me? Police officers can simply ignore rowdy, aggressive, and violent people when they choose to? You mean to tell me it's not required that they arrest an aggressive, violent, screaming person who refuses to listen to their lawful commands? That is not an automatic arrest? Farron, thoughts? <laughs> 
you know, I, I think you just kind of nailed it on the head. I mean, this woman is having whatever kind of episode, you know, you want to describe that as, you know, was she was she on something? Is there you know something wrong with her? I mean, this this isn't normal behavior, especially when the the man whose car her door hit, he's like, yeah, there's not even a scratch. Like he's not doing anything. He's not trying to say, I'm gonna sue you, I'm gonna prosecute, like nothing. He's like, cool, can we can we be done with this exchange? Because there's no damage, no harm, no foul. And she just instantly goes to this level. And that is, you know, indicative of you know something you would see in somebody that is on something or somebody that has some kind of issue that does need to be addressed. And sure, the cops just totally like, hey, just just calm down a little bit, just take it down a notch. Hey, that'd be great. You know, like it's some kind of camp counselor working with unruly kids instead of, you know, had it been probably any other shade of human being yelling that, there would have been all kinds of hell breaking loose from the officer. You would have had, I got to get back up in here. We got to have these people restrain them, get on top of them on the ground, tase them maybe. But no, this woman gets to have her fit over literally nothing. And just, I guess, walk about, have the rest of her day free to calm down. Yeah, well, you're right. She was on something. It's called white privilege, and it's a hell of a drug. <laughs>
I felt like crying in that moment. And the crazy part about it is you hear stories like this all the time with um, black attorneys. But when it happens to you, it is just so visceral that you don't even know what to say. You know, I'm dressed pretty nice. Not to say that defendants don't dress nice, but typically, you know, you can tell who's with who and he called for all the attorneys and i'm literally in line like why would you assume that i was a defendant um i think we all know why i mean literally he got her out of the lawyer's line to say she was a defendant i got some more background to this um, her name is Brooklyn Crockton. Uh, Brooklyn is going to be a bright and shining legal scholar. Uh, I plan to be a rule nine attorney myself in my third year of law school. I'm in my second currently. So let's go down what happened here. This is according to the Boston Globe. Law student Brooklyn Crockton, who's a third year law student, by the way, at Roger Williams University, alleges she experienced racial profiling during a recent a visit to the judicial complex as part of her school's criminal defense clinic. Very common stuff. Because she goes to Roger Williams University in Rhode Island, she is allowed to represent indigent defendants, those who have been arrested and charged with a crime but are unable to hire a lawyer due to undue hardship in criminal cases under the Supreme Court Rule 9. All right? Now, in a second video, Ms. Crockton shared that the deputy apologized to her later, okay? But she believed it was hollow. Throughout the day, the student alleged the deputy continued to speak to her condescendingly. And I believe her. She's there doing a good deed. Now she has experienced the systemic dysfunction of the criminal justice system that she is now entering into as an officer of the court and hopefully as a revolutionary attorney. We do not have the name of the deputy sheriff who did this, but I do have the name of the chief judge of that judicial complex. Let's put the chief judge up. That's Michael B. Fort. We also have the sheriff, his name is David. We don't have a statement from them as of yet. Already the school, however, is taking steps to address race and law as they prepare the next generation of practitioners. During the fall 2021 semester, the university became one of the only law schools in the nation that programmed classes on race and the law as requirements for the JD. So they're teaching how race and law affect each other. Fair thoughts on this. You know, you you hear stories like this, you watch that video, and of course you go through the comments on the video. So many people telling the same story. Yep. You know, yes, I, I I've had this happen to me. I've I've had people think I'm the defendant's mother. I've had the judge look right past me and ask, where's the lawyer? And I, I think about all those times you hear these right wingers tell us that racism doesn't exist in America. It's all a lie. It's all a fabrication. It's it's part of the the left's attempt to engage in identity politics. But but what we see happening all the time is explicitly that. Mm-hmm. You know, there there is no other reason why that, you know, a, a bailiff would have pulled her specifically aside. We all know why. She knows why. And unfortunately, 
that happens even worse in the courtroom with the actual defendants. That's how ingrained it is that it's now spilling over into the representation of these people. They get discriminated against. You cannot have any form of true justice in this country when even the lawyers are being discriminated against for the color of their skin. And that is how bad this justice system has become. We're not just taking it out on the defendants, it's now over onto the legal side of it as well. Yeah, and we call it the justice system, but routinely we see it operating as the injustice system. And people say we need to fix it. No, we actually need to break it. The justice system is working as it was designed to work. It is working in a way that's adversarial to people of color, to historically marginalized group, to those who cannot afford the high price attorneys. It works against those groups because it was designed to do so. Very sad story, black man shot 20 times inside of the hospital, inside of the hospital. Go to the video. In your room, nine. He's still got a gun. Get your hand up. I got it up. Get your other hand up. Okay. Now, now, get it up. Get your hand up. Get your hand up now. Now, get your hand up. I am, sir. I am. Are you okay? Yeah. Can't really move. All right, I am, sir. I am, sir. I am. Can you just calm down, sir? Get up now! 9611. They killed him, they put 20 bullets inside of him. Here's the update to that story. The coroner has now officially ruled it to be obviously a homicide, okay? Now, this happened in Columbus, Ohio. We've been following this, not on Indisputable, but we've been following this. And now we know some details that you should know. Miles Jackson, let's put up his picture with his family. He's the man that was begging for his life and killed inside of the emergency room at the hospital in Ohio. According to the police report, Jackson allegedly had a gun tucked into his sweatpants. And the gun reportedly went off, that's what's on the report. Which does not mean 
he opened fire at all. It just means the gun went off. That's what the police report says. Now, a medical examiner has ruled Jackson's death a homicide and reported that he was shot 20 times and suffered wounds to his head, chest, and abdomen. Earlier the same day, let me tell you how we got here. Earlier the same day, Jackson was reportedly taken to the same hospital he was killed in, Mount Carmel St. Anne's Hospital. That's in Westerville for some kind of treatment. He was in the hospital for treatment. But Jackson walked away from the hospital and was later found passed out in a nearby parking lot. He's having a medical issue, which is why Westerville police were called. According to the AP, after a pat down where an officer previously cautioned for rushing his duties, missed Jackson's gun. Those officers followed medics back to the hospital where Jackson was met by Columbus police because he had a city warrant, a city warrant, all right? That means it's probably a traffic ticket, it's it's a city ordinance, he had a city warrant. That officer and the Columbus officers who shot Jackson were all white, okay? Miles Jackson was shot 20 times, it really seems like there had to be another way, of course. Back the blue advocates are going to immediately argue the shooting was justified and Jackson asked for it. Despite him repeatedly asking for the opposite thing. To others, this is a clear case of police brutality. Which is why according to AP, protests in Columbus followed the shooting. At any rate, the AG's office concluded its investigation of the shooting in August and decided to forward it to the Franklin County prosecutor who will determine if charges are to be filed against the cops involved. Now there's a clear double standard here, a very clear double standard. I would just highlight a couple. This week indisputable covered an armed man who went to a sheriff's office to arrest the sitting sheriff. That's in Florida, his name is Robert Abel, the sheriff is the only female elected sheriff in the entire state. Not only was he heavily armed in Clay County, he tried to arrest the sheriff. He had his guns on him, he had ammunition, he had knives, he had a change of clothes, he had medication. He even had meals prepared. They were able to disarm him through physical combat. They did not shoot him, they did not kill him. Remember the video you just saw, one officer, a young lady, wanted to engage in a non-lethal element during that, during that situation. She said, hey, I will tase him. A Couple of weeks ago, indisputable covered. Another situation, you see that guy? His name is Matthew Lands, he was wanted for murder. They negotiated with him, he killed a firefighter. They negotiated with him, he came downstairs, he stabbed a cop six times. After he stabbed the cop six times, they did not shoot him, they did not kill him. He then fights all of the police inside of that house, all the way to the outside of the house on the front yard. And then they finally shoot him to wound him. He was wounded, he stabbed a cop six times and he goes to court. Clear, 
double standards. All right, fair and thoughts here. Um, you know, I, I think you said it best at the the start of this. Just he he was already begging for his life. You know, long before any shots were fired, he already he already knew he already knew how that was going to end. You know, if I move my arm, I'm afraid you're going to shoot me, and he's afraid of that because we've seen it too many times. You know, put your hands up. They move to put their hands up as soon as they move, dead, because that's what they that's just what they do now. I mean, there's no other way to say that this is what. The police force in the United States is is, is becoming, you know, at, at an exceptionally alarming rate. And I don't know. I mean, it is so tough to watch these things, but we have to because people have to see what happens. A young man begging for his life, already in a hospital bed, and these cops were so angry. You hear it in their voices, the anger that they had in them. They were not thinking rationally. They were not acting on, you know, protocols and, and following through. They were mad. And that young man paid the price for their anger towards him that you can clearly see coming across in that video. Yeah, and I know some people will comment when we put this on social media about the law and about what the police are able to do. I want to bring this back quickly to a human conversation where humanity is actually valued. Is it possible that these cops jumped the gun, no pun intended? Could life have been preserved? They've done it plenty of times when we've seen white suspects in front of them. The issue is are cops valuing the lives of black bodies, black people in front of them? And the answer is a resounding no. And that is the structure that has to change. My brother, I appreciate you all the time. Tell people how they can check out your great work and follow you. YouTube.com slash The Ring of Fire. Also YouTube.com slash Farron Balanced. And Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Farron Balanced. I love your work, brother. Always Thank an you. honor. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for having me.